unfortunately, on the onset, is that the sin issue has already been settled. So I'm not teaching this lesson tonight to make us sin conscious. I want us to um, leave tonight with a greater sense of God's grace when we do fall short and a greater understanding of how we can minister to unbelievers. Um, and I think this is a great season to do that because, you know, you're, maybe some of us are out in the marketplace. You know, you may be shopping. You may be grocery shopping. Um, you may be at convenience stores, department stores, and um, you may run into someone and you want to extend the love and grace that God gives you for them. We're going to talk about the difference between sin and unrighteousness. And the main difference is knowing what you've done. And sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but sometimes we sin, but we don't know we've sinned, you know, because we don't know it's a sin. And God doesn't hold us accountable for that. He doesn't hold sinners accountable for that. But when we come into knowledge, then we are accountable, and we do need to confess our sins, okay? Um, it says here, a sin is something we know we've done, a known sin. Unrighteousness is committed in ignorance and is an unknown sin. Um, can anybody think of something maybe that you've experienced that you, you did, you don't do anymore, that you, in the, in, in the process of your maturing as a Christian, you realized it was a sin? Yeah. You would what? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what made, she said for her, it was watching a movie. Yeah. I think, uh, I'm sorry, what did you say? Did you say something too? Or were you just, yeah. Okay. No, she's finished. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But not everybody knows or have come to an understanding that that's a sin. And so that might be in that category of unknown until Holy Spirit reveals it to you, right? And I guess what I'm saying is God doesn't hold you accountable if you don't know. But Holy Spirit, as we mature and we walk in the things of God, he begins to show us the things in our lives that are unlike him, and then we go, oh, God, I'm so sorry. You know, please forgive me. And once we do that with our hearts, the Bible says when we confess our sins, he forgives us of our sins. And then on top of that, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I wish I had known that years ago. When I was doing this, I thought, God, I wish I'd known this years ago. And I wouldn't have got, had to go through the times of repenting again and repenting again because we're not talking about the sin that separates us from God. We're talking about the little things that draw us away from him, okay, <laughs> tonight anyway. So go down to the next paragraph. The biblical term for an unknown sin 
is a trespass. God has recognized the difference between sins and trespasses since the Old Testament. This is why he had both a sin offering and a trespass offering for known and unknown sins of the children of Israel. Both Christians and sinners commit sins and trespasses. In the life of a sinner, though, all sins and trespasses are forgiven at the new birth. Can we say amen to that? Because we were all sinners, right? And when we confessed Jesus, he forgave us, right? For the believer, believers, all sins and trespasses committed in our daily life after salvation are forgiven when we confess our sins. And I think sometimes where the enemy tries to catch us up is he keeps bringing it back, bringing it back, remind it. But you, if you've confessed it, you go, no, that's not me. I've given that to Jesus. You don't have to take it back. If you, if you earnestly confess your sin, and you, because I remember, this will sound so stupid, but I wanted to confess a sin, and I would say, God, I, I confess this as sin, but I don't know if I'm ready to give it up. You know, that sounds really stupid, but I was in ignorance in, in what I was doing. But he, I guess he knew my heart, and eventually I got to the place where I could say, God, please forgive me. And that sin, it's like it just dropped off. It, did, it wasn't there anymore. And I didn't have to strive and work and make it be gone. It was just gone. Um, okay, again, it, the scripture is um, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what I'm going to do now is kind of do a little parallel of Old Testament sin, New Testament sin. Okay? There were sin offerings outside of the camp. And do we have that scripture, Exodus? It says, and you, this is talking about um, the priest and you shall take all of the fat that covered the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them, and burn them on the altar. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a woman has conceived and bore a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days, as in the days of her customary impurity, and she shall be unclean. Okay, so we know from Old Testament, when a woman was classified as unclean, she, she couldn't touch anything holy. Um, and I'm not sure, which, which scripture did you just put up? Leviticus 12, 2, and 3. Okay. So um, the offerings, okay, so the, these offerings were made for those outside of the camp. So if, if this woman, um, if she's classified as unclean, her husband was not to touch her. Other people were not to touch her. And so if you touch this person, you were considered unclean. That was a sin according to the law. Right, and so then you had to make some um, some sacrifice for that sin, 
these offerings were made for those outside of the camp, and that speaks of unbelievers, if you bring it to, the, to, the, to now or to New Testament. The sacrifice of Jesus is to be taken to people, and I think this is so important for us. We need to know that there are people outside of the camp, outside of believers, and they sin every day because they don't know God's standards. They don't know his ways. Um, but Jesus has made provision for them. We already know that. And we are responsible when we, when we witness to those who are lost. lost. It was outside of the camp. Jesus, it is outside the camp. Jesus is, is said to have died for us. And we are to witness for him. Um, Hebrews 13, 13. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. I'm going to just share with you just a real quick story. I, I um, actually heard this one Wednesday night. I um, was leaving church and driving home, and it was focused, uh, on the, focused on the family. And it was about a woman who had an alternative lifestyle. And she talked about, you know, uh, she was very uh, successful, um, and she, she had a, a partner, and um, she had always been uh, told negative things about herself and how bad and how worthless she was because of her choice. And one of her coworkers befriended her. And over a course of time, this gentleman um, invited her to church. And she went. And later, she kept going for a while. Later, she got a Bible. And she began to read the Bible. And this, is, this is so key because the word was what convicted her. And she said, as a part of her testimony, when she read the word she, and she saw the goodness of this man who professed to be a Christian, who just accepted her for who she was, she said, I didn't see anything in there that said I was a bad person. What it said, what she, she saw two things. It spoke to my identity, and it spoke to what I was doing was hurting God, that God was not happy with it. The end of her story is she gave her life to the Lord. She denounced that lifestyle. And one of the things she said was, I asked God to make me a lovable woman because she had never seen herself as a lovable woman. But God did that for her. He used this man to accept her where she was, to invite her to church, to get the word in her, and he spoke to her through his word. And so we're going to minister to people like that too. You know, I'm working in a place right now where you can't tell these men that they're not women. They come in. They dress like women. They act like women. But it's going to be the love of God and the word of God that's going to change them. And we are called to those people and to the lost. Lost. Um, <clears throat> the message we have is for sinners to receive Jesus as their Savior. When a person receives Jesus, all their sins and tre trespasses are forgiven. Can you imagine how this woman felt? When she, she realized Jesus accepted her, and what she, her behavior was offending him, but not her. She finally heard that, and that her problem was her identity. 
she found identity in Christ and she found love in Christ and she found love in this coworker who wouldn't give up on her. <clears throat> Both sin and trespasses are found in unbelievers. This is really interesting to me because it says probably most of the sin found in unbelievers are sins of ignorance. They just don't know any better. The scale is tilted more on one side of unknown sins than known. They don't know God or his standard and cannot meet it. Yet there are sins all people know are wrong and are found in every, everyone in every nation, whether the person is religious or not. So sin is universal, you know, and it's found no, no matter where we go. I thought this was an interesting statement. Murder, theft, and slavery are only a few. It says here, the sins of hatred, lust, greed are not necessarily thought of as evil, but, and they would fall under the category of trespasses, meaning unknowing sin. People don't know that you're not supposed to hate, you know? Um, they don't know that it's not okay to do that, <laughs> you know? They don't know um, that it's, you know, not okay to, to um, be promiscuous or to be greedy, you know? Huh? Yeah, yeah. They, they're blinded to it. And so, yeah. Not to steal. Right, right. So, so in their conscience is, I mean, literally seared to anything righteous. They don't know. And they have, to, they have to be taught, they have to learn that, and they do that by receiving the word, and when we rub up against them, instead of running away from them, right? Um, let's see, as, 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 as a person grows in their relationship with Jesus, and I think we can all say this for ourselves, the scale is tilted the other way, and known sin now outweigh unknown. You know, we learn about things that are not pleasing to God, and then they begin to drop off from us. Thank God the blood of Jesus is more powerful than anything we can imagine. I thank God for the blood of Jesus, you know. And, um, you know, even, you know, I've had some times, um, even recently, where I've had to... Um, you know, out of just life experience, uh, disappointment, being hurt, and look, seeing in my, God showed me in my heart that I could not be as open with another person as I needed to be because I was holding that hurt in my heart. And when I realized that and he showed that to me, it's like, Lord, I am so sorry. You know, help me so that I can communicate and love, show love to this person. And this is a person I love. But I realized I had guarded my heart because I had been hurt so much. And he began to show that to me. And as I started to do that with his help and with Holy Spirit's leading, I am amazed at the blossoming in that relationship and that the person can actually hear what I'm saying to them without getting offended or now wanting to argue with me. You know, it's like, how come I didn't see that before? But I didn't. He had to show me, you know. 
and and I was the hindrance, not the other person. So when we as we mature and we allow the Lord to change us, our relationships are going to change, even with family members. You know. Okay. Amen. Um. And I didn't go the the scriptures there. Can you go to those? Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.19. It says, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And that's what he wants us to do. Not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. You know, that's a purpose that he has for us. In Ephesians 2.1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. We're alive, so now we can share that good news. And uh, Colossians 2.13. I'm sorry. That one's not there? Okay, all right. All right, let's go on to the next one. Um, There was also a sin and trespass offering inside the camp. Um, and this one talks about, you know, how when you remember in the Old Testament, the priest was the only one who could go into the inner court. But if the priest had sinned, they had to cl- they had to do a, a process and um, um, of of cleansing themselves. They couldn't just go in. And we as Christians can't do that either. Or we shouldn't do that. Right. Because, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but um, when we sin, it breaks, it doesn't, it doesn't mean we're not saved, but it hurts our fellowship and our intimacy with God. It's like we step outside of that intimate, close place, outside of the tabernacle. And I don't know about you, but I've done that before, where, you know, I didn't, I didn't pray because I was mad with God because he didn't do something because I wanted it, you know, or it didn't go the way, or I didn't understand, you know, why things. And so, you know, you kind of back up a little bit. He doesn't move. And I had to learn that it's not him. If something's not right in that vertical relationship, it's, it's me, <laughs> you know. And so we want to stay in that place of intimate fellowship with him. And if we find that there's something a little, you know, out of sorts, Lord, search my heart, show me. And usually, well, all the time it's us, it's not him, because he doesn't move. What's so great about it, though, is when we discover that and we say, Lord, I'm so sorry, he's right there to hug us and pull us right back in. Okay, just like a sinner who was outside of the camp needed forgiveness of his sins and trespasses, which separated him from eternal life. A believer also inside the camp was in need of forgiveness of daily sins and trespasses, which separate him from the fellowship of God. Our sins are forgiven outside the, outside the door of the tabernacle. So when we are forgiven for something, it's not when we're in with him. You know, we've stepped away a little bit. But once we say, God, forgive me, we're back in with him, that close connection. <clears throat> when, we, when we sin, we move outside the tabernacle. God is still our father, but
but we are like the prodigal son. We have separated ourselves from fellowship with him. Um, 1 John 1, 7. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. When we confess our sin, the door back into fellowship with God is wide open for us to reenter. So it was with the church at Laodicea. And Revelations 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Like sometimes, I don't know what your testimony is, but has God ever knocked at your door? You know, he's trying to get your attention. He's saying, come to me. And, you know, I, I was thinking even when we were soaking, recently what I've experienced is, how, how can I say this? It's like I'm, I'm not necessarily knocking, but I feel like he's pulling me in. Like I'll wake up sometimes and I'll be praying in the spirit. You know, it's like, wow, Lord, okay, I, you got my attention. Because I hadn't thought to pray in the spirit. I, hadn't, I mean, I might just wake up. I open my eyes and I'm praying in the spirit. So I feel like he's drawing me, you know? And and I, I think that that's I mean that's just so awesome. I mean, I don't I don't know how else to explain it. Like he's just there and you know, like I don't have to posture myself in any way. It's like no ready set go, nothing like that. He's just there and then I'm there with him. Yeah, and that's is a good time, I tell you. It's really good time. <laughs> um Let's see. All right. Let's go to to D. There was a a separate trespass offering inside the camp. And again, this is talking about the priest. It says, or if, the priest, or if he touches human uncleanness, whatever uncleanness with which a man may be defiled, and he is unaware of it, when he realizes it, then he shall be guilty. Or if a person swears, speaking thoughtlessly with his lips to do evil or to do, or to do good, whatever it is that a man may pronounce by an oath, and he is unaware of it, when he realizes it, realizes it then he shall be guilty in any of these matters. It's like... Um, so that, was, that referred to the priest. But remember, the trespass is unknown sin. So say, for instance, you find yourself gossiping. You know, you're talking about somebody else. And you don't, you, you know, I, sometimes I, I, when, I, when that happens, people will say, well, I'm just talking to you. I'm not gossiping. I'm just sharing my heart. So we justify it, you know. <laughs> I'm just sharing my heart. And I'm not saying because there are times when you need to share your heart with a sister or brother. But it needs to be someone who's going to point you to Jesus, who's going to say, let's pray about this. Who's going to bless the person that maybe is a center of the conversation, you know. So, but that's, an, that's maybe considered an unknown sin. But once it comes to your consciousness, you know, that was a sin. Then we need to repent. That's, that's, the, that's the example that I get from that. Once you know it's a sin, then you need to repent. It says, remember, 
A trespass is an unknown sin. It is forgiveness as we, it is forgiven as we confess our known sin to the Lord. Jesus' blood not only forgives us from sin, we confess, but also from all unrighteousness. And I think that's a key, that when we get to that point where we're saying, you know, Lord, I messed up, please forgive me. We speak those words out of our mouth, you know, through our hearts. Not only is the sin gone, but any unrighteousness attached to it is also gone. Our unknown sins are automatically forgiven when we confess the ones we know about. But if we are informed that we have committed a sin we didn't know was a sin, we are now obligated to confess it to the Lord as a known sin and receive forgiveness. So maybe somebody might even point that out to you. Let's look at 1 John 1, 7. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In the Christian life, we should be in a constant state of growth in the word and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. As we mature, we can find through the ministry of the word of God, we have been ignorantly sinning against God and others around us. Maturity brings obligation to deal with areas of our life needing repair. No believer, no matter how strong he is in the Lord, has arrived. We still discover areas in our life needing to be dealt with. This is often, um, this often, this is often areas, this is really interesting, of our thoughts and motives which lead to outward sin when we commit, that we commit. And the next fill in there is Jesus taught us our thoughts are unseen sins, which can eventually produce the sin seen by others. It's, I mean, I used to call it stinking thinking. You know, you get, you know, maybe somebody offends you. How many of you had battles and arguments and fights in your mind? You know, <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, if Holy Spirit convicts you of that, yeah, that's a sin, you know. You got to audit against your brother, and you you got to you having a fight all by yourself in your head, you know, and it will manifest because it's in your heart, you know. It'll come out, and so we need to deal with those things. Um, Matthew five twenty one through thirty. You have heard that it was said to those of old, "You shall not murder," and whatever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Reka, Reka, shall be in danger of counsel. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, I think that's really, you know, that he ties it to even our giving. And there remember, you, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. You know, that's important. And, and the greatest gift is not necessarily the financial gift, but the gift of our lives, you know. <clears throat> okay. Dealing with our unknown sins of thought can often be harder than dealing with our visible deeds. So check your thought life. 
you know? Remember that, I think they use that phrase in 12-step um, groups, stinking thinking, but that's what it is, and it'll mess you up. And, you know, sometimes when I've gotten brave enough to uh, confront or ask about thoughts I had or how I perceived a situation with another person, often I found I was incorrect because how I perceived the interaction was not what they intended, you know? Um, and, and I have to also recognize that even if it was, I still have to forgive them. You know, I still have to forgive them. I, I, I've shared this story before. I had, uh, this was years ago, not no one in, in this body, uh, but this woman borrowed money from me, and she said, and I'm going to pay you back. And I would see her Sunday after Sunday. She'd come in all decked out, you know. She got something new on, you know, and, oh, hi, how you doing, you know. And I'm thinking, I want my money back, you know. I was, I was less mature than I am now. <laughs> but I, I, I wanted to give her a piece of my mind. And um, I, I went to my leader at the time, and I shared, because it, it was bothering me, you know, and I couldn't shake it. So I went to the leader at the time, and he said to me, you got to forgive her, daughter. And his words like penetrated me, and I knew, ex I knew immediately that was the answer. And I chose to forgive her. She never paid back the money, but the, the art was gone. I had to release her, you know? <laughs> but, but sometimes it's hard to do that. That thinking will mess you up. Okay. And E, we are obligated to forgive trans, um, trespasses of others. Um, Galatians 6 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So, you spiritual folk, we have to restore others, right? So, so my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you, from his heart, does not forgive his brother for his trespasses. Um, okay, so here's a case of some, uh, someone sinning against you in ignorance, you know? And a lot of times it is in ignorance. You know, it's like you, sometimes people say things to you, you go, no, they didn't. You know, <laughs> they didn't say that. But if I know it's an ignorance, I can forgive them, you know. Um, they hurt you, and they didn't, maybe they didn't even know they hurt you, you know. They give you the cold shoulder. They roll eyes at you. And this, I know this stuff happens kind of in the office. They eat your food at work out of the refrigerator. Ever had that happen? I did. Yeah, you know, it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but it comes, okay, you're not, you're not, you, you're, you're victims, right? You're not the ones who did it, I hope. <laughs> okay, but sometimes, you know, people hurt, but they don't know they, that they're hurting, you know? Um, it takes a strong believer to forgive them in love. Instead of telling them off, the heart of God's forgiveness should be to, um, should be to excuse, I think that should be excused with, 
I don't know what I wrote there, sorry. But we know the heart of God would be to forgive them. Forgive them as Jesus has forgiven you in grace and mercy instead of treating them as someone who should have known better. We need to forgive them. You know, and a lot of times, you know, I know when I've sometimes dealt with people who aren't saved, they, they'll say to me, but you're supposed to be a Christian. So they know how I'm supposed to behave, if I, even when I don't behave that way, you know? <laughs> so um, we, we need to forgive them. And after all, put yourself in this position. Haven't you ever been guilty of saying or doing something you didn't know was wrong or unintentionally hurt someone? I'm sure I have. You know, um, I know there was an a, a incident, this was several years ago maybe, um, there was, a, <laughs> there was a little boy here, and he was running and ripping, and I saw him almost knock several people down. And I grabbed him, and I told him, you need to stop running. You know, you, you do not run in the church. And his father came up, and he took the little boy, and he walked out. And I thought, oh, my, I've offended him. I've offended the dad. So the next time I saw him, I went to him, and I said, I'm coming to you because I want to make sure that I did not offend you. That was not my intent. Your son was doing this, this, and this. And he said no. I mean, he knew his son. But I wanted to make sure that he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't take that on as a personal offense and maybe not come to church anymore, you know. So, you know, sometimes we say things, you know, you can, things can, well, I'm, I'm better now than I used to be, but things can just come out of your mouth and you go, oh, you know. So we have to, we have to, we have to ask the Lord to, what, it says, what does it say, like the meditations of my mouth, you know. We, we have to think about what we're going to say sometimes before we just let stuff come out. Um, <clears throat> it says, haven't you ever been guilty of saying or doing something you didn't know was wrong or unintentionally hurt someone? And the last fill-in there is forgiveness is a quality God is strong in, and he wants us to be strong also. Forgive others of their trespasses as well as their sins. Amen. God bless you. Okay.